Welcome to Sleep Cues, the everything baby sleep podcast. I'm Erin, pediatric sleep consultant and founder of The Happy Sleep Company. From catnaps to night wakes and regressions to teething, we cover all things baby sleep. With a passion for children's sleep, we're here to help tired families get healthy rest. Hi everyone, welcome back to the podcast and welcome to another Q&A Tuesday. We are going to jump right in this morning with some questions and answers because I got a lot over the past week, so I did some digging and pulled out a few of them that I think will resonate the best with most of you and that probably most of you have the most significant questions about, so hopefully today's questions and answers can help you out with something you might be struggling with with your little one. And the first question that I wanted to touch on for today was about the napping and feeding schedule for a six month old, because it can be a little bit tricky. And one of the questions that I got touched on that. So the question was, my six month old has been sleeping through the night and taking great naps for several months, but in the past week, his naps have gotten shorter. I try to feed him at the beginning of his wake period so that I don't have a feed sleep crutch, but I wonder if he's hungry at nap time. We haven't started solids yet. This is a great question. If you follow us on Instagram at The Happy Sleep Company, if you've ever heard me speak or read any of our blog posts, you know that I'm a big proponent of the idea of wake, eat, play, sleep. So that means that your baby feeds at the beginning of their wake window, They feed when they wake up for the day. They feed when they wake up from their naps, but they do not feed at nap time. That's how we make sure baby gets proper nutrition, but we avoid baby falling asleep on the feed close to nap time and then having that feed sleep crutch, meaning we avoid baby only knowing how to fall asleep on the breast or bottle. We do, of course, also offer a bedtime feed so that baby's tummy is topped up for the night, but we still, even at bedtime at night, make sure that feeding is not the very last thing that happens when your baby is about to go into the crib. We always, you know, feed and then maybe put on a sleep sack and read a couple stories before we go into the crib at bedtime. So that's what this mom is getting at with the idea of not feeding near nap time. That's what this mom is talking about. But all of a sudden, this six-month-old is having shorter naps when they used to nap for longer. So why might that be happening? Here's the thing about wake, eat, play, sleep. When it comes to children who are about five to seven or eight months, I like to look at it more like wake, eat, play, eat some more, play some more, sleep. And that's how our schedule changes a little bit around that age. So we do a second breast or bottle feed during each wake window around that age. Why do we do that? Because your child is now at an age where they can handle significantly more awake time than say a newborn. A newborn can only handle 45 to 60 minutes of awake time before they need to be napping again. So usually there's only time for one feed in that wake window. Now your six month old can handle more like two, two and a half hours of awake time, but they're also not having the solids that they might be having when they're more like nine or 10 months of age. So they have more awake time than a newborn, but not the amount of solids of an older infant. So they're in this tricky stage where, you know what? They might be hungry by nap time if they only have one feed per wake window. So that's why at this age, I often throw in an extra feed per wake window. Here's the key though. We still want to avoid it being a sleep crutch. So you would feed your baby when they wake up for the day, and then you would offer a top-up feed, a top-up breast or bottle feed at some point later in the wake window, but you really want to make sure it's finished at least half an hour before the next nap. 
That way we get some extra nutrition into your baby. We avoid any chance that they are hungry at nap time, but because we've done it half an hour before the next nap and then had a little more play time before nap time, we're not getting that feed sleep association. So in answer to this mom's question, it could be that all of a sudden your baby's naps have gotten a bit shorter because your baby is a bit hungrier at nap time because his wake windows have gotten bigger in the last few weeks. So for that mama and for other moms and dads who are having this type of question, I would say that it's often very beneficial to offer a second feed per wake window, especially when your child is between about five and seven or eight months. Next question that I pulled out for today from my inbox was this. Do you have advice for holiday dinners at families' houses? What if they run late and we need to put baby down at someone else's house? The great news is most babies do just fine with this. Don't stress about this. I know the holidays are coming up and we're having some stress and anxiety about what's going to happen to baby's sleep situation during holiday visits, but it can be managed and we can get to the other side of this without sleep going totally off track. So in answer to this question, it's totally fine if you need to put your baby down at someone else's house. I would much more recommend that a family take along a travel crib, your baby's sleep sack, a little portable sound machine, take that stuff with you to the family dinner at your say in-laws house and be prepared for the fact that you're going to have to put your baby down for the night there rather than just not taking any of that stuff, keeping your baby up super late, making them super cranky and overtired, and then putting them down when you get home hours past their normal bedtime. Plan for putting them down for the night at your family member's house. When I say for the night though, most people aren't necessarily going to be spending the whole night at their in-laws house. They just want to stay late and have a nice adult visit. Do a little routine around your baby's normal bedtime at your in-laws house. You give them a little bath or a little wipe down with a cloth into their pajamas, into their sleep sack, give them their bedtime feed, read a couple of stories, and then into their crib or their travel crib in the guest room at your in-laws house, quote unquote, for the night. And they go to sleep and that's great. And then two or three hours later, when you are ready to go home, you get them up, you put them into their car seat and you drive them home. They are probably going to wake up at some point during this transition and that's okay. When you get home, my recommendation is that you give your baby a kiss and you, you know, if you have a little key sleep phrase that you always say when you put them in the crib, you say that and then you place them into their crib. And then you do whatever you would normally do if there was an overnight wake up for your baby. That's the key is just treating it like a normal nighttime wake up. If you've done some sleep coaching in the past, you might have a strategy for how you manage nighttime wake ups and that's what you would do. If you have some other kind of strategy outside of sleep coaching, you just do what you would normally do if there was an overnight wake up, but you treat it like a night wake. That's the key. A lot of parents will ask me, well, if I put my baby down for the night at my in-laws house and then I take them home at 10:30 PM and I put them in the crib, should I first do a little bedtime routine when we get home at 10:30 PM? No. I would suggest no, you should not, because that's going to be really confusing to your baby because you already did their little bedtime routine at your in-laws house three and a half hours ago. And now it's to your baby, the middle of the night. Why are we doing extra books, another bath, a feed at 1030 if that's not something you normally do at 1030? That's going to be odd to your baby and that's going to be really stimulating and confusing. So instead, I would treat it like a nighttime wake up 
And that's how you'll manage that transition from the holiday get together to going back to sleep at home in your baby's crib. Next question is about an eight month old. This question asked, our eight month old is at a tricky stage where sometimes her two naps are so short that we have way too much awake time before bed. Is it okay to have two naps some days and three naps other days, even once you've mostly switched to a two nap schedule? Answer, yes, it's okay. And it might have to happen sometimes. So if your baby is in that tricky transitional stage between usually about seven and a half and eight and a half months where they no longer really take three naps a day very well and they seem like they're ready for the transition to two naps, but they're not quite there yet and their first two naps are sometimes too short to get them to bedtime, yes, you can throw in a third nap sometimes, but not very often. It's kind of tricky. The first two naps of the day actually have to be pretty short to fit in a third nap for an eight to nine month old. If your baby is on a two nap schedule, chances are you have them on kind of a three hour wake window schedule. Your baby has to be able to handle a few hours of awake time to be on a proper two nap schedule. So if your baby has their first nap of the day from say nine to 10.30, and then they have their next nap of the day from 1 30 to 3 then you would put them to bed for the night at 6 you would just do it six o'clock bedtime put them to bed for the night but what if instead those first two naps are really short what if your baby only naps from 9 to 9 30 and then from 12 30 until 1 they have two 30 minute naps and now it's only one o'clock in the afternoon and your baby has already done both of their naps i would stick in a third nap So if your baby woke up from a nap at one o'clock in the afternoon at that age, I would be doing another nap at 4 p.m. I wouldn't let that nap go any later than 5 p.m. because we really don't want bedtime to be any later than 8 p.m. at that age. But you could throw in that little cat nap around 4, 4.30 in the afternoon, cap it by 5, and then do a proper bedtime. That might be necessary. Definitely better than going from 1 p.m. until 6 or 7 p.m., for an eight month old. They're gonna be really tired if they have that much awake time. But what if you get into this really tricky timing where your baby naps from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. and then they nap from 1 p.m. until 2 p.m. And now you're kind of like, oh, it's still a long time before bedtime, but do we have enough time for another nap? You don't really. So if your baby wakes up anytime past about 1.32 o'clock, from their afternoon nap, if your baby is around eight or nine months and on a two nap schedule, you really don't have time for another nap. If your baby wakes up at 2 p.m. and they can handle three hours of awake time, well, that's 5 p.m. That's really late for another nap and it's really going to disrupt a proper bedtime. So that would be a case where yes, your baby's gonna be overtired by bedtime, but I would just stretch to about a six o'clock bedtime and put your baby down at six o'clock if their two naps ended by two o'clock in the afternoon. So I know that's a tricky one. It's a tricky age. I get a lot of questions about the three to two nap transition, but your baby will get through it. It can just be sometimes a few weeks or so of some tricky timing and sometimes having to throw in a third nap on some days. Next question for today is about a two and a half month old wondering if you work with babies who have reflux issues. Here's the thing about reflux. You really, really do want to make sure that it is resolved either with age and development or with medication before you start sleep coaching. So it is definitely something to talk to your doctor about first. A lot of babies have, well, every baby has reflux in the first 
few months, reflux is spitting up. And every baby has some degree of reflux because of their underdeveloped digestive systems, especially in those first few months of life. But some babies have more severe reflux that results in a lot of pain, that results in so much spit up that they're not gaining weight properly. And that's the stuff we really need to focus in on with your family doctor or your pediatrician. We don't want to be starting sleep coaching when a baby still has severe reflux that's causing any kind of pain. We don't want to be second guessing ourselves about is baby upset right now because they're learning a big new skill during sleep coaching or is baby upset right now because they're in literal and physical pain. And if it's the latter, we really need to get that resolved before we start sleep coaching. So chat with your family doctor or pediatrician. If you do feel that your child's reflux is quite severe, they may tell you that it's not so severe and you just need to wait it out a little bit. They may tell you that it's quite severe and they might recommend some medication. We did do an episode of sleep cues with Dr. Stephanie Liu of Calgary, where she talked about reflux in babies. And so you can check that episode out because it can be really helpful in understanding everything around GERD and reflux in infants. Usually it really starts to subside out of the newborn stage. And then especially after about the six month point, but you really want to check in with your family doctor and get that looked at and resolved before you start any sleep coaching. And that's definitely a question that we ask families before we start working with them to make sure that's all worked out before we start any kind of formal sleep coaching program. Last question for today ties into the last one. So I wanted to bring this up because we just talked about reflux. And then the next question I pulled out of my DM box on Instagram for this week was, why don't you start sleep coaching until 14 weeks? At the Happy Sleep Company, 14 weeks is the earliest that we work with babies on more formal sleep coaching programs. And the reason is we're finally out of the newborn stage by 14 weeks. You know, the jury's definitely out on what precisely is the newborn stage for babies. But by 14 weeks, we generally see that most babies are out of the severe stages of colic. If they have had some more significant reflux, again, hence that previous question and why I tied this one in for today. If baby has had some more significant reflux in the first few months, it is usually mostly resolved by the 14 week mark, either because your baby's digestive system has developed more and the reflux has resolved that way with that development, or because you have had a chance to speak to your doctor, see if your baby needs some medication and get on that medication and played around with it a little bit to make sure you have the right dosage. And all of that has been accomplished often by the 14 week mark. And so we can confidently work with little ones at that point. We do often hear families say they tried some form of sleep coaching around 10 or 12 weeks, and it was just so difficult. And in many parents' words, a disaster. And then they work with us at 14, 15 weeks, and we see a huge difference. And that's the thing at that age, two or three weeks can make a massive difference in your baby's development. And we see babies be much more ready for more formal sleep coaching by the 14 week mark when they've fully exited that newborn stage. So that is when we see is the best age to start sleep coaching from a developmental perspective. Any age is a fine age to start sleep coaching after that. You know, many families will ask us, Is there one age that's better than another age to start sleep coaching in terms of a baby doing better with it and having more success and seeing better results? And from that perspective, I would say at any point past 14 weeks, no, we don't see a massive difference from one age to the other. It really is about the baby and their parents and your consistency with following your sleep consultant's advice and really sticking to a plan and being very consistent. But We do want to wait until after that 14 week mark to make sure that baby's fully out of that big developmental newborn stage before we start all those sleep changes. 
So that's a wrap up of the top five questions of the week. Don't forget to DM me if you do have questions you'd like included in the podcast. I'm always happy to drop those in and they are always so well received by other parents because you're not alone. Somebody else has the same question as you and that's why we have this Q&A session on the podcast to help out not just the people who are asking those specific questions, but all the parents who have similar struggles to help them get to the other side and get great sleep. Have a great week, everybody. Thanks for listening to Sleep Cues, the everything baby sleep podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, leave a review, and share this episode with a mom or dad who might need some rest. Connect with us on Instagram at The Happy Sleep Company and check out our website, thehappysleepcompany.com for loads of blogs, sleep guides, and information about how we work with families one-on-one to get sleep on track.